1: Today on the Zabecast, Florida man weighs in on possible governmental intervention into hurricanes. Hilarity ensues. Was the Unabomber sort of right? Andy Polin joins me. We talk redskin season, the unbearable greasiness of Bruce Allen, and Super Bowl predictions. All that, plus they don't mess around in Singapore. Your bonus, 45 minutes of gloriously uncensored me, is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Oh boy! Yep. This is huge, Jim. Oh my goodness, who is this guy? Tuesday, September 3rd, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Good news. I have approximately seven guys in to help me get the Zabecast van. Tyler Richardson, in for five bucks a month. Joseph Bitter, in five bucks a month. Eric Pachera in five bucks a month. Neil Vaught, in five bucks a month. Actually, Neil is waiting for the yearly offer which is coming up shortly don't worry if you've already bought or are, have hit a month renew here for September and you want to buy the yearly which will have a special coin offering I can't say which coin per se but it could be another L coin who knows anyway uh go ahead and uh don't worry about that we'll make sure you get credit for the five bucks for the month you already spent I'm I want your five bucks I'm not gonna steal your 5 bucks though. We'll make you whole on that. And I got Tony who didn't say where he was from, but he did email me pictures of his own tricked out 2014 Dodge ProMaster 1500. Had it has it in all black, which is the exact color I want. It is glorious. He's got the high top version. I'm not so sure I'm going to get that myself. Don't know if I need that, uh, but we'll see. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, I'm sort of excited. Like you know, if I'm going to get this damn thing, let's get the let's let's get it custom. Let's really make it just the way I want. I can see the little mini studio with the little guest chairs in it right now, but we'll see. Seven down, ninety three more of you to go. I need ninety three more to go. Buy the van. I'm in for five bucks a month. And that's all it takes. And you'll get your name read on this podcast. So you got that going for you, which is nice. Okay. This is making the rounds on the internet. This is why Al Gore invented the internet. It's glorious. It's hilarious. It is one of a kind. It is Florida man talking about, well, why can't we stop these hurricanes? Take it away, internets.
0: let see how... They haven't come up with some kind of way to combat these storms yet. They keep saying now, you know, two days ago, three days ago, oh, it said this, but it's going to hit all this warm weather, all this warm weather and warm water. Warm water. We have a Navy. Why don't the Navy come and drop ice in the warm water so it it can't get going as fast as it's going?
1: All right. Now, first of all, this guy looks great. Shaggy hair, mustache big ass Florida print shirt. Of course, it's windy down there. It's not professional audio, so this is not a TV news crew. So this could be a work. I'm always cautious. This could all be just a work. Like, he doesn't really believe this, but he's not cracking up when he's saying any of this. So here's his idea. We got a Navy. Ready?
0: There's got to be ways to combat this instead of just pointing at the thing and say, well, it's, uh, now it's getting worse. Yeah, we know it's getting worse. But you tell us. Oh, it's the warm weather. Oh, it's the wind. Well, we have an Air Force. Drive some Air Force planes around to get the winds going the opposite way. Get the Navy to go in circles to fight it the other way.
1: Ice cubes, the Air Force, and the Navy running circles around a hurricane. I don't think this guy is kidding. I think this is his general level of intelligence and or meteorological understanding. I know this, Ted Kaczynski would hate this guy. Is Ted Kaczynski alive, still in jail? I need to Google that. My man KB, a.k.a. the professor, Kevin Brandt, who is on with Drew Olsen in the afternoons on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee and does a spot with me every morning. I enjoy our talks. He is a, a sick fuck, a dark, he, is, he, he likes to peer into the darkness and say, oh, I love the view from in here. He admits as much. So I was talking to him about how I am so tired of people videotaping shootings. And I saw the horrible clip of the one little girl screaming, dad saying, stay down, it's going to be okay. Oh, my God, I can see the shooter. And you hear the gunshots in the background. I'm thinking, all right, so now that you taped that on your phone, what are you going to do with that? Play it at Thanksgiving? Going to show it to friends? Hey, you know, uh, I was right there. I was right there near the theater when they caught the guy. You want to see this? You want to? You want to hear my daughter's blood curdling scream? Yeah, I got it right here on my phone. Oh no! You, what do you mean? You don't want to? See? What do you mean? You don't want to hear it? Uh, yeah, Bill, I'm trying to eat lunch, man. Like that's disturbing. That's sick shit. I'm glad you weren't hurt, but no. So, do you? How long do you keep that on on your phone? How much do you delete it? So, I was telling this to KB, and KB said, "I'm telling you, old Teddy K was not that far off." And I go, "Wait, what are you talking about?" He goes. Kaczynski, Unabomber. I said, come on. He goes, no, seriously. You should read his manifesto. I said, okay. Uh, I'll call your bluff. Google searched Unabomber manifesto, found a 35-page PDF, hit print, (laughs) printer prints it all out, put a big staple in it, head off to bed. Good night, honey. What you got for reading material, honey? Uh, Unabomber manifesto. I forget if he was a former university professor, a psychologist. I forget what his classical training is. It's a very well-written piece. I mean, it's, it's a little bit dense at times, but it's orderly, and it's all very integrated. It's a hell of a manifesto. And to boil it down, it's you know, Kaczynski railing against the evils of technology and the industrialized revolution and industrialized society. And his idea was, I've, you know, it's better to try to make the industrial society break down sooner rather than later because the sooner we do this, the less pain and anguish there will be as man can return to a more natural state and not be pretty much punching the clock nine to five, working for dipshit industries and worrying about their 401k. Look, I don't agree with everything in the manifesto. I'm just saying there's some things that I read and I'm like, Wow. Boy, did he have that nailed a long time ago, including passages like this. Paragraph 172. First, let us postulate that the computer scientists succeed in developing intelligent machines that can do all things better than human beings can do them themselves. Yeah, we're already doing that. In that case, presumably all work will be done by vast, highly organized systems of machines and no human effort will be necessary. We're on our way. Either one of two cases might occur, he says. The machines might be permitted to make all of their own decisions without human oversight or else human control over the machines might be retained. If the machines are permitted to make all of their own decisions, we can't have any conjectures as to the results because it's impossible to guess how such machines might behave. Well, then we're done. I mean, once the machines take over, it's Terminator 2. He goes on to say, the human race might easily permit itself to drift into a position of such dependence on the machines that it would have no practical choice but to accept all of the machine's decisions. Eventually, a stage may be reached in which the decisions necessary to keep the system running will be so complex that human beings will be incapable of making them intelligently. At that stage, the machines will be in effective control. People won't be able to just turn the machine off because they will be so dependent on them that turning them off would amount to suicide. He goes on to say that while you may have some personal control over your small machines, car, computer, phone, whatever, control over the large systems of machines running society will be in the hands of a tiny elite. Just as it is today, but with a couple of differences. He goes on to lay those differences out. I don't know about you, but that that chills me. That's 1995. He's writing that without full knowledge of what the internet would become, without really even a peek at what artificial intelligence is bringing, without any understanding of the social media age and how that interacts with us as a society. I would say both good and bad, but I don't know much good that comes out of it. He had no real grasp of what would become a surveillance society, a surveillance society in which we as citizens opt in to the surveillance by way of our computers and our browsers and our search history and our phones and our smart devices, he still had a good beat on this 25 years ago without knowing any of this. Now, again, I don't believe everything that's in there. I think he's way off base on a number of things. And by the way, went about it the wrong way. You can't go killing people. He said they had to do it. He said his manifesto, and he just printed it and put it out there like, hey, hey, this is my manifesto nobody would have paid attention. And I guess, well, put the manifesto in my hands before going to bed for what it's worth. Am I going to get emails saying I'm wrong for A, having downloaded and printed and read his sick manifesto after killing people with mail bombs? Are you going to now jump on your high horse and debate me on the merits of Ted Kaczynski's Unibomber manifesto? If you are, I'm going to save it. Just unless you've read the whole thing, like I'm five pages through and I've made highlights and I'm absorbing it all. I will happily debate anybody or just discuss and not not necessarily debate it, but you will have had to read the whole thing as well. You read the whole thing. I read the whole thing and then we can discuss. We'll have a discussion. Uh, give me your number. I'll call you and we'll hash it out. We'll say, here's where he's right. Here's where he's wrong. Here's, you know, where we're going. But don't just say, you, you sick idiot. I can't believe you're saying this. Oh, yeah? Did you read it? No, I don't have to read it. That fucker blew people up. Well, okay. I can't argue with somebody who hasn't read it. It's rather interesting, though. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or just keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why you should go to my bookie. Fast, easy, and they pay when you win. What does Mr. X always say? Winning is nice, getting paid... Even nicer. Let's face it, where you're betting online is just as important as who you're betting on. Listen, I wouldn't put my name attached to these guys if they weren't good and if people didn't get paid. Do the smart thing and get with my bookie. Have an account there just in case. You probably already have an account somewhere else. That's fine. Who doesn't have multiple accounts? Have an account with bookie. Take advantage of their bonuses. Check out all the other things you can do with bookie. all the other ways you can bet and the other games they have there. And have fun with it, okay? Did you know you can bet on games after kickoff? Yes, you can. Who doesn't want to fire in a second-half bet to make up for your stupid idea on the first half? If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little, win a lot, try parlays. If all your picks come through, multiply your winnings. It's that simple. Well, it's not that simple, but still. Fire in some parlays, man. It's football season Have fun. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. Double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Go to MyBookie.ag today. You play. You win. You do get paid. Time for Andy Poland, my man. And welcome to the 2019 NFL season. I'd like, yeah. I'd like to say, as I usually do, let's go have ourselves a season. <laughs> but I got to be honest, just not quite feeling it this year. Are you?
0: Yeah. You know, an uh, interesting comment, I guess it was today from Jay Gruden, that the running game is going to run through Darius Geis. Um, this might be a year for a Joe Gibbs type of a team where you run the ball a lot and you hope your defense is as good as it appears. And you know, they're winning 17, 10 kind of games. I don't know.
1: Sort of a trench, a trench warfare kind of a year.
0: Yeah. 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 That's what it feels like.
1: Those years are possible if you have a good game manager of a quarterback and if your defense really is elite, and if you're forcing turnovers, scoring off turnovers, and your special teams is not fucking up left and right.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and you don't have another year of injuries like you've had the last two. I mean, oh. it would seem to be impossible to do, but somehow or another they put together two of the worst back-to-back years of injuries that they've ever had.
1: You know, I'm glad you brought up injuries. I am so tired of hearing about injuries. Every team, Andy, has injuries. Only, only the weak complain about it. Only the poorly right. run teams talk about it. You know who doesn't talk about injuries? Bill Belichick. You know why? You don't have them. Bullshit. <laughs> they have them. They have injuries. Yeah, but... The Packers, the year they won it all, had like 11 guys on season-ending IR. They right. found a way right. to do it. I mean – I, I'm unsympathetic to the injury front because it leads to a woe is us kind of a thing. And that's what the Redskins have gladly played into. But this is why right. Bruce Allen said in the offseason, well, last year we were close. We were close, he said. Which, by the yeah. way, is on my Bruce Allen greatest hits album number one. I know yeah. what the truth is. We were close. Winning off the field. He'll play for us. <laughs> we're in full <laughs> mode now is another one. So, yeah. so let's talk about Bruce Allen, shall we, Andy? Yes, mm-hmm. you had him atop your list of things you wanted to chat about today.
0: yeah, I mean, here's a guy who, when it's convenient, says, "Oh, we don't negotiate through the media yet when he wants to, he negotiates through the media when he famously had his no questions asked statement news conference about Kurt, I mean Kirk Cousins, and you know basically said, well, we." Offered to make him the highest-paid quarterback ever, and he said no, and you know gave gave his reasons why Kirk or Kurt uh, should be taking this this deal, and and did not. And now that they've had this Trent Williams issue, uh, he won't say anything about that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, he's you know, look, Bruce Allen. We thought was going to be the buffer between the media and Dan Snyder, and that he would be a much smarter version of Vinnie Serrato. Well, all he's proven to be is a clone of Dan Snyder. He doesn't say anything. And, you know, I, I don't think it's been helpful for, A, the media, and B, the fan base who's reacted by not showing up at the games.
1: Yeah. He's uh, he's smarter than Vinny, but in an evil sort of a way. He is more right. Machiavellian. And when I say evil, I don't, I don't mean actual real-life evil. I mean organizational evil, football, evil, manipulation type evil. I mean, he's just, he's so shrewd. He's so slick. He's so oily. And boy, does he have the ear of the emperor? And that's kind of scary because I can't, I can't envision a day in which Snyder finally says, get out. But I pray for that day. I pray for that day all the time, knowing full (laughs) well, Andy, the guy who comes in after him could be worse.
0: Well, you you it's proven over the course of the 20 years, you either comply with the way things are done under Dan Snyder's ownership or you're out. People just don't last. And Vinny Serrato was a yes man for a long time. He kept his job. And now Bruce, I assume he's a yes man. We don't know anything. But I thought his hiring was made to inspire confidence in the fan base, that the fans could listen to Vinny Serato and have no confidence that the organization was being run properly. Well, I think it's worked just the opposite. I think the the confidence of the fans has gone down with Bruce Allen, don't you?
1: Oh, no doubt. And I think Bruce Allen has become hated even beyond Vinny Serato. Serato was mocked. Serato was considered a Fredo, considered a stooge. Bruce Allen is actively hated by the fan base
0: right 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 so i don't know now you know the scott McLuhan era uh in the rearview mirror continues yeah, to get worse to crumble with, with the re- yeah with the release of josh doxson and, and other things that, that that happened during his regime but you know we've had bruce allen on the job now for 10 years have things gotten better
1: no no and in fact it, it seems like nothing ever sticks to him it seems right. like there's no heat ever applied to him. And the part right. of the reason why I want him gone, by the way, about McLuhan, I, I jokingly say, where are the McLuthers now? As in the <laughs> McLuhan truthers, those who are so angry that we had finally had this shrewd personnel man on board and we ran him out under the thinnest of pretenses that, oh, he's drinking again. Well, we hired him. We knew he was a drunk when we hired him. We said we were going to manage it. We were going to be okay with it. And then right. they fired him. The, the McLuhan truthers were, were irate. They called our stations. They said, how dare you do this? Well, look at how shitty his instincts were on who was really a, as he put it, Andy, a football player. I want, fo- right, right. I want football players. Player. Doxy, right, mama's right. boy, soft, gone. Matt Jones, yep. looks great in pads, didn't want to fight for his job, Gone. You got yep. Sua Cravens, crazy as a hoot owl, gone and now right. gone from Denver.
0: Right.
1: Like, it's one thing to draft a guy who can't actually play at the Sunday level of football. It's another thing when you brag about, I know who football players look like, and then you draft guys who turn out to not be football players. Yeah. It's, yeah, almost, no, like, it's, it's, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: it's almost like it's, he was drunk it's, the whole time.
0: He, he oh. did. He did one one good thing. The the two, his first year on the job, he did a good job of picking up street free agents late in the season when injuries started to occur, and those guys were key in in getting them to the playoffs. But ultimately, he was brought here to improve the draft process, and in his two drafts, it didn't look like he did that.
1: Yeah, you look at the long line of people that Snyder has brought in and then sent away because. He clearly don't, wasn't having fun. It started with Marty. Marty really? came in, started to fix the football operation, and was gone after a year. Why? Dan wasn't having any fun, right? Right, right. Uh, McLuhan comes in. He lasted, what, two years? Three two years? years? Two years. Two years. Two years gone. Why? They weren't having any fun. Now, with La Famina and the marketing guys, they came in and said, hey, you're selling half your tickets to brokers and the other team's fans we, don't you want redskin fans at redskin games we're going to do something radical and say hey there's tickets available come on out and see the redskins so the numbers declined sharply which made dan look bad the team look bad and then what happened to la famina whacked gone So it's almost like history continues to repeat itself. And the reason that I'm looking so forward to Bruce Allen finally being gone is I want all the vestiges of the legacy Redskins wiped out. I want nothing to do – like, the past is wonderful. You and I have the memories, Andy. We have the memorabilia. Might even have some old, dusty VHS tapes from 1991 – our last 11 win or better season. That's coming up on 30 years, listeners, since we had a season to actually write home about because 10 and 6 you don't write your mom home from camp about. We went 10 and 6 this year, mom, yeah, who cares? 30 right. years yeah. coming up on that. I want I want the vestiges of Bruce Allen gone. I want yeah. Doug Williams gone. I want all the ex-redskins in the media orbit Rigo, and Clinton. Well, I guess some of them are my friends. I I don't know if I really want necessarily Doc gone, but the, the, the clinging to the past is part of the problem, Andy.
0: That is that is a, an issue, no, no question about it. I don't know, you know, whether that has impacted the way the football team has been run. But what they're saying, and and this is you know somewhat of a reversal from the early days of Snyder. Now, you remember his first year, thanks to some moves that Charlie Casserly made, they won the division. They, they had a, a good year in, in Snyder's first year of ownership, 1999. And a lot of the ex-Redskins, the old guard, were upset when he hung banners outside of Redskins Park saying division champs. And guys like Doc Walker said, you haven't won bupkis there, buddy. You know, we used to do this by, by parties, not by, by, uh, by banners for division champs. So then he started to embrace the past. Well, that's kind of run its course you know the past is is really in the past now oh it's getting and,
1: smaller and smaller every day
0: yeah and and the rigo era i mean you really have to be middle aged now to have any recollection of it oh. guys veteran sports talk guys like al galdi have no recollection of that never it's saw, amazing
1: never saw rigo run live in person yeah it's it yeah. really is it's uh, we're talking about uh, vintage football era that is uh, barely in color but it is. Yeah. So yeah, and and you know, the thing about that banner, not only was it a banner to celebrate a weak ass ten and six division title, it was a shitty little banner. It was made of vinyl, Andy. It was like they <laughs> went to Kinkos and hung it. That's the most <laughs> embarrassing thing. Everything is so half assed with this outfit. That's that's the problem. But anyway, on to cheerier times. Let's go have a season. Case Keenum yep. is in. Guys is gonna run the offense through Geiss. Defense looks really stout. So far, mm-hmm. everyone's mostly healthy, win some low-scoring games, surprise some teams in the first five games. What is your first five-game benchmark for, you know what, wrap it up, I'll take it, two and three?
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, if they go three and two, I think, you you know, that further delays the appearance of Dwayne Askins. I think two and three, got to think about putting him in, don't you?
1: Uh No. I think the soft spot to put him in is after the bye week in week 11. Okay. But Mm -hmm. the problem Mm -hmm. is, what if that's too far of a swim to get there? Yeah. Meaning, uh, what if Haskins or what if uh, Keenum sucks and the team is getting rolled and things are really ugly? Can you wait until week 11 to roll in the rookie? I don't know
0: yeah you also have you know the possible reappearance, although it will probably only be for a game or two of Kirk Cousins I' uh, not Kirk Cousins, but Colt McCoy uh, what, what if what if what if McCoy you know gets healthy for like week five, and that's been a Jay Gruden security blanket, and he rolls him out for a couple of games.
1: yeah uh, Redskins are 300 to one to win it all. That is the Ugh. second lowest odds. Uh, only to the Miami Dolphins, who are in full tank mode. I don't know if you saw this. They have two of everything in next year's draft except for an extra fourth.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, somebody I think Peter King had had some numbers on this. Cleveland did the same thing. And I think of like 13 prime picks or something like that. They got three starters out of it. So yeah. it may work, but – you know, you gotta, there's no guarantee with these draft picks.
1: You got to pick them right, no question. But I think more yeah. pulls the lottery wheel, which is the draft, the better off you are. Plus, these rookie players are cheap, so you right. throw those numbers at it. And then, of course, if you get the quarterback, which the Browns apparently have now in Mayfield, then you're set. Mm-hmm. And so the yeah, Dolphins yeah. are rolling into three, you know, three quarterbacks that could be really, really good. Like, this was the way to tank. The Dolphins are tanking beautifully right now, if you ask me. Right.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. They're, they're yeah. doing it at the I mean, right
1: time. They're loading up on draft picks, and they're going to have $126 million in cap space next year.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they, they, but you know, you, you still, you still got to be a good run operation. You still got to have the right people doing the picking.
1: Bengals, Redskins, Cardinals, 300 to one. Oof. And then the Dolphins yeah. at five hundred to one. This is who we are. Back to the whole, um, you know, the, the 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 legacy thing, and my point about I want all the legacy concepts of this franchise gone because it hinders us. You said I'm not sure that affects how you uh, run the football operations. You're right in that regard, but it's a mindset thing, and I mm-hmm. liken it to the TV show Biggest Loser. You know when they would make the Biggest Loser contestants weigh in on stage, on live TV? Did they let them wear a nice, light, loose t-shirt? Yeah. No, they did not. They said, get your ass up there in underwear. Because that's who you are. Like, you have to put your blubber out there for the world to see. You have to reckon with that and say, this is who I am. And I'm going to change this. But damn it, I'm going to go ahead and get up there basically naked.
0: Yeah, but, but that's that goes along with admitting you have a problem. And this organization, under Dan Snyder, has never admitted that they no. have a problem.
1: No, they keep buying uh. bigger pants, wearing sweatpants, bigger T-shirts. <laughs> hey, wait a yeah. minute! Wait a minute! I, that re- resembles somebody I know. The only difference is, I know I have a problem, and I'm working to try to turn it around. Okay. I'm not fat. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I need your Super Bowl prediction just in case you're right, so you can then burr, burr, peacock at the end of the year. All
0: right. I, I like the Patriots to be in the Super Bowl. They, uh, they seem to have yeah. figured out a way to get there. So. I'm going to pick them to get in and, and, and just to infuriate everybody, this could be the year for Jarrah. I I think, you know, I I think that this, this whole thing, I I think they are going to get Ezekiel Elliott in this week, but I think Jerry's finally getting it on a few things. And when he said this about Zeke, that's fine. Well, I'm rested for the playoffs. I think with the help of his son in the last few years, he's really starting to understand the whole big picture of football. And they may really have a team that can do that this year.
1: Mm, okay. My uh, Super Bowl so, – so your Super Bowl, once again, is – and you need to pick a winner right now because this way you're yeah, going to look I'll great say, if it I'll happens. i New,
0: New England beating Dallas in the Super Bowl.
1: Okay. Uh, I've got the Chicago Bears out of the NFC North because defense always comes to play, and that defense is sick. And I think they will oh, yeah. just good enough on offense. I'm going to count on Trubisky getting a little bit better. I like Nagy as a coach in terms of his aggressiveness. As, as long as their kicker doesn't undo him, whoever the kicker is by the end of the year, and I'm not counting on Pinheiro making it to the end of the year. He'll be Pinheiro the pinata before the season is out. But I'll take the Bears in the NFC, and I will take the Los Angeles Superchargers out of the AFC <laughs> – and Philip Rivers, this is finally his year. Susan Lucci of the NFL, Andy, finally wins his Super Bowl. Chargers, Chargers, Chargers! Your Super Bowl champs, 2020.
0: The the AFC Championship game could be played in a stadium that holds 25,000. Is that right? Damn Ready?
1: right about that. Ticket prices. <laughs> Ticket price is gonna be high, high, high. If wow. if that happens. There's my prediction. Uh we'll see who is even close to being right. Your Terps kick off the Mike Loxley era in style with a seventy nine to nothing route of poor Howard. Yes, it was a mismatch, but look, they looked pretty awesome in doing it, didn't they?
0: They did, I mean, you know now, maybe Howard is that bad now, two years ago, they were good. They pulled a, a big upset early in the season and had a winning record last year. I think they won only like four games. but their division one team, I mean, was it Georgia State just started its program like ten years ago? Sure, and they went in and beat Tennessee at Tennessee. So no matter who it was, hanging seventy nine points on a division one team pretty impressive. I mean, you know, I don't know how good a coach Loxley is, but he gets players. And they've had some players there that uh, and and this, you know, everybody's changed the way they do quarterbacks now in college football. And getting getting somebody from another team like they did with this guy Josh Jackson who they picked up from Virginia Tech? I mean, he he didn't even go to spring practice because he was still having to graduate from school. Steps right in and takes over. Look at Jalen Hurts last night. I mean, he's 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 the leader for the Heisman Trophy, right? I yeah. mean, if you gave it out today,
1: you'd give it to him. Not only uh, that, not only that, but the transfer portal, the new lenient transfer portal, is the greatest thing to ever happen to college football. It's like free agency in college it football. Is. It's fantastic. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, you, could, you can pretend that this is amateur athletics. It's not. This, yeah. is, this is absolutely free agency in college football, and mm-hmm. it's working out. I mean, the, the, these guys, the performances are unbelievable.
1: Somebody tweeted that a year ago, Jordan McNair lost his life at practice for the Terps. He wore 79. Yeah. In the first game of the Loxley era, they scored 79. Somebody, lots yeah. of people on Twitter are quick to pile on going, don't you dare make that comparison. That has nothing. no, there's nothing this current regime should be done, should be given credit for. Like it was just the typical oversensitive reaction.
0: yeah I, I think I think the Loxley hire uh, happened because of the blessing of the McNair family. I think I think they wanted that to happen. And I think that you know, given all the circumstances, it was it was a good hire in even if they win you know four or five games this year. But I think that 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 was all part of the picture in getting Mike Loxley would, hired.
1: Would Loxley have been hired if McNair had not passed?
0: Well, I don't think they would have made a change. I think that, would have been Durkin, uh, DJ yeah. Durkin. Dur- 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 Durkin would have stayed. You know? Okay. I mean, they, no, the well, me, Regis,
1: me, I'm uh, sorry. Let me put it this way: If the Loxley, excuse me, if uh, if McNair's family didn't push for and or bless Loxley, would Loxley have got it in the wake of Durkin being fired?
0: I'm not sure. I mean, I I don't know, you know, uh, how they how they looked at it. They had to get somebody who was greeted as as a a good hire. And I think getting the McNair family blessing was a big part of that. What what an absolute disaster that was with the with the amount of money spent and people like Bonnie Bernstein making, you know, thousands of thousands of dollars to ride the train back and forth. To, and then they come up with the decision to keep Durkin and the governor steps in and goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. For those no, that, no, no, no.
1: for those that don't know listeners outside of the DC area, what happened was after Jordan McNair an offensive lineman collapsed of heat stroke and through utter negligence by the training staff, uh, went into cardiac arrest and died on a hot spring workout day in May of last year, the university said, well, we're going to put together a panel. That's going to investigate this. And they called all these people from different areas, including Bonnie Bernstein, a television sideline reporter who went to Maryland, uh, included right. Doug Williams of the Redskins for reasons nobody really understands. Right? right. It involved some other people. It was like this hodgepodge committee and they met four or five times. They charge the university. All these people like build the university for their time to come down, like Bonnie on her train coming down from New York City to be part of this committee. And after several months, the committee's like, nah, Durkin's cool. You should keep him. And most sensible people sensible people are saying, look, I don't care if the head coach wasn't eyeballing every player on the field that day at practice. He's still the head coach. You can't let the head coach survive when a kid dies of heat stroke in 2018. Uh, a death that has all but been eliminated on the co- on the football landscape, high school, college, and pro, because of increased awareness of hey, hydrate, monitor, etc. Right, right,
0: right. Don't 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 be tough guys. Get him in a cold tub. Right, and get him get his temperature down.
1: They so, didn't do it. Yeah. So the committee is like, yeah, you ought to keep Durkin, and the outrage was yeah. immediate and palpable. And then the governor had to step in and say yeah, no, this is not going to stand. We have to change out football coaches.
0: Right, right, right. I think they
1: didn't want to because it was going to cost a ton of money. And Maryland doesn't have a lot of money to go flinging around like some SEC school swapping out coaches.
0: Right, right. But given the the public relations disaster, I mean, it would have been. I mean, at least, you know, Loxley comes in. He's from D.C. He'd worked in Maryland before. He said this is the best job in the country and – you know, this is what I want. So, you know, it, it all worked out for him, and it looks like so far it's going to work out for the school. But again, I don't think this wouldn't would have happened without the blessing from the McNair family.
1: Yeah. So, in other words, Maryland got all of the bad PR of the initial move to keep Durkin, and then mm-hmm. had to pay all the money anyway to buy him right. out and to fire him. But at least it right. looks like it's working out a little bit. Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, I mean, they, could, yep. they
0: could have said, hey, we're not going to stand for this. He's got to go. Instead, they, they bring him back and go through all that bad PR first.
1: Yeah. Right. All right. Uh, Paul Feinbaum says that Notre Dame should be banned from playing for the <laughs> national championship. Tell me why.
0: Yeah, I, was, I, was, I just saw the clip uh, today. I was looking on their website. Uh, they're previewing tonight's game, which... By the way, they're midway through the first quarter, and Louisville and Notre Dame are tied. Uh, and that uh, Feinbaum said, look, uh, you, know, you, you can talk about them as national title contenders if you want, but uh, they're not going to beat Michigan. And I think he named another team that, that they're, they're not going to beat. And he said, based on the way they played last year in the, uh, in the Final Four, he says they ought to be banned forever.
1: Oh, and- <laughs> no.
0: And look, I mean, look, look at the times that they've they've been in these these championship games. I mean, was it five six years ago where Brett Musberger got himself a little bit of hot water because the game was such a blowout? He starts talking about the uh, the Alabama quarterback's uh, girlfriend, you know, <laughs> and uh, they, they they just when they get in, they just not that good. And, and you know, the schedule they play is okay. They play some tough teams,
1: they, but yeah, it's okay, but they're not in the rigors of a conference. That's the big yeah.
0: difference. Yeah. And they're not, they're not sec caliber. They're just not. And that's, that's the way football has separated itself out. There's the sec, which is the junior varsity, of the NFL and Clemson is, is stuck in the ACC beating the crap out of everybody until they get to the real important stuff. And what else is there? I mean, The rest of the country, anybody from the Big Ten, really a a, a serious national contender last few years? Not really. No, it's a three-horse
1: state. Maybe it's a three-horse race. It's Bama, Georgia, and that school from the ACC that looks like an SEC team in Clemson. They're they're the teams that's the show right there. But it's not bad to include in the Final Four. I mean, it's not bad to have a team that maybe deserves to be there, but is not going to win at all because you want to properly weight the Final Four where the one seed. Gets the easiest of the four teams to play in that semifinal.
0: Yeah, but but, I mean, last year you could have made the case. Georgia, with two losses, should have been it,
1: right? You could have made the case, but here's another truth about college football that few of us want to accept. It's impossible to really know who really is better than the next guy at the end of a long season. You just... Don't know. There's so many variables. The home road variables in college football with the home field advantage, the refereeing that often tilts one way or the other, the rigors of a road schedule. Did you catch a team on the wrong week for your players because they're coming off a Thursday night game or something? You, you just don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also, in, in college, you know, you know, in the NFL about transactions, but like when Alabama goes four deep at a position, well, that. Fourth deep guy would be an all-American at some other school. Yeah, you know, so so you you know that the depth of these schools that they have is and and, the, and you got guys. I mean, at it, some of the big schools like Haskins, Haskins goes to Ohio State. He sits for three years. Yeah. He didn't play for three years. And you know, that that's that's an
1: advantage. Is Feinbaum turning into a hot take artist? Also, you didn't comment on his walking back of the third world program comment.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's he had some he had some dust ups there before. He made a, a comment about that African Americans haven't had a tough time or, or something like that, and had to walk that back. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't quite get his whole deal. He's sort of a radio guy, and he's a sort of a TV guy, and he's a go to guy when it comes to college football season. But he seems to be tied mostly to the SEC. Uh, you know, he, he's not definable. He's 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 less definable than Stephen A. Smith. Is he? He's just.
1: Is he turning he, into just another hot take artist?
0: Yeah, maybe maybe he's feeling like I mean, he's he's up there. He's in his mid sixties now, and maybe he's feeling like you know, if I don't do this, they'll find a way to shuffle me out. So you know, maybe there's there's something to that.
1: Hard knocks. John Gruden is looking more and more like Calliano's impersonation of him all the time have you been watching this oh yeah it's a joke uh knock on wood if you're with me andy knock on wood if you're with me
0: (laughs) and just just the way he he has all the it's like he's studied caliendo's impression of him and he does caliendo
1: (laughs) so my (laughs) my essential question is does gruden himself believe in his own act like does he walk home going yeah badass coach man or does yeah. he like or does he or does he smear the white face paint of his clown act off at the end of the day go to the bar and say hey Lou how's it going man did four birthday <laughs> parties today yeah long week
0: <laughs> yeah man. so I don't know he's just it's, it's just just watching him first of all this this has been as bad a year as they've ever had for hard knocks it's a lot of Sideline stuff and him talking to players. I mean, there's last year was so good with the Cleveland Browns, and this year has been so boring. And and I and I, you know, he brought in Caliendo. There's one of the shows Caliendo yeah, actually shows it. up as as Gruden, and and it's it's almost at the point where it's not that funny anymore because that's Gruden. That's, that's you know, Skelliano makes a couple of jokes, but that's that's really what he is. He's and, just a guy walking around. Hey, man, hey, yeah, hey, man, you know.
1: And, and guess just, what? For a guy that hates quarterbacks, he's the only team to carry four on their active roster as of Sunday afternoon.
0: Including Peterman. Yes. With a punchline.
1: Nathan Peterman <laughs> is an insult to any football fan out there who has seen what a real NFL quarterback looks like. He is absolutely incapable of playing at this level. And yet there he is. And there he is. And then he he picks up Deshaun Kaiser. He hates all these quarterbacks, yet he collects them as if he thinks he's going to fix them or he just can't wait to cut them at a future date by saying, you know, good, man. See, I think his brother Jay suffers from this a bit as well. As a coach who was a quarterback of some repute, They sit in their film room on Monday, look at these wonderfully designed plays they worked on all week, see their quarterback turn down a premier receiver wide open just because he didn't see him or whatever, and then they get pissed off. They're like, damn it, why aren't you throwing that pass? And it's not that easy. It's not that easy on Monday in the film room. You have to be on the field doing it. And because Jay did it at the arena league, he's thinking, well, I did it in arena ball. Yeah, you didn't do it in the NFL, buddy.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he came here as the one who was going to fix RG3. He couldn't wait to discard him. He never embraced Kirk Cousins. Um, He loves Colt McCoy, but Colt McCoy doesn't play. So what has he done to fix the quarterback situation here? Nothing. Nothing.
1: nothing. Uh, There was a TV weather guy fired for the same thing Mike Greenberg did on Martin Luther King Day. This happened yeah. just recently because we're not close to Martin Luther King's birthday.
0: Yeah, I, I just I just happened to see it on, on social media today. I believe it was Buffalo. And, uh, yes, he, he, he stumbled in the same way that Greenberg did over Martin Luther King. Now, I was thinking in the pre—now, YouTube was probably around, but I don't think Twitter was, but when Greenberg did it, Uh, You know, he took some backlash from from African-American people about that, and he managed to survive it. I don't think it was a malicious uh, stumble. I think he he did not mean to say what he said, the same thing for this weatherman from the clip I saw. But because social media takes over and it snowballs, somebody's got to go. Now, if this had happened today, would Greenberg survive? would he have lived long enough to get to $6.5 million a year to do a television show that nobody's watching? I don't uh, know.
1: I love how you are retroactively dreaming of the day that Greeny would have been <laughs> fired for a slip-up on the air. Guess what? It didn't huh. happen, and it's not going to happen now, buddy. Greeny's clocking that $6.5 You can't stop it, and I can't stop it. I know.
0: I, I'm just saying that, that the difference, you know, he one did it on a on a network of uh, that employs a, quite a few African-Americans. Right. Uh, and and the other did it on a local television station in Buffalo. And he's lost his job. And Greenberg is, is still, not, you know, not that Greenberg should have lost his job for it. But it's just the way that that, you know, it's just like the Imus thing. I listened to IMAS for years. And what he said was wrong, obviously, about the uh, Rutgers basketball team. But I heard him say far worse things for many, many years. And because there was no social media, he managed to keep doing what he was doing. So, you know, that's kind of the way things work these days.
1: Yeah. You know, and the sad thing about that, you know, the, the Martin Luther King deal with Greeny and now with this is that as a broadcaster myself, I have made the conscious decision on those days to just avoid bringing up the holiday because yeah. it's like handling dynamite. If you, if you want to err on the side of extreme caution, don't bring it up. And normally in the course of a radio show, whether it's Memorial Day, Labor Day, 4th of July, Arbor Day, Boxing Day, whatever, I'll just mention it, right? And I would have done right. that for Martin Luther King, but because it can be so deadly to your whole career, it's almost yeah. not worth saying, and I don't think that's good for society either. But oh well.
0: No, I mean, there, there's, some, there's some great stories that, that go along with his life. You know, you, the, one of my favorite ones, George Raveling, who was a longtime uh, assistant coach and uh, broadcaster and worked for Nike. And uh, he was He was a student at Villanova playing basketball and worked in security. He has the I Have a Dream speech. That's a great story to tell, but yeah, he has right. the script
1: you're, of it, the physical script yeah, of it.
0: Wow! Yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was working in security, and King finished his speech, and there it was, sitting on the podium, and he picked it up, put it in his pocket. He's been offered hundreds of dollars for it, and uh, hasn't sold it.
1: All right, real quick, what is the Redskins' record when they pull into port at the end of December?
0: I'm going to go with seven wins.
1: Holy I think they'll find a way. Holy yeah. cow, Batman!
0: Yeah, yeah, I think they'll find a way to win seven games. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think this is going to be the three win season that okay. Sports Illustrated makes it. But you know, seven wins is nowhere land. You're not in the playoffs. I'm sorry, Bruce. You're not close. Yeah. You're just another team. You're a seven win team, and there's no reason to believe you're going to be a better team the following year.
1: Are we talking at all next January, February, about dipping our toes back into the quarterback market, or will have Haskins close that door by playing enough and by playing well enough that we won't talk about it?
0: Yeah, I, I can't. I can't see them. You know, you're talking about trading up in the draft. I'm just talking about.
1: Will we be talking about drafting a quarterback in the winter?
0: I think it'll come up. And nowadays, because you don't have to give them those, you know, rookie contracts of fifty million dollars guaranteed, uh, that I think I think it might be. You know, this is supposed to be a pretty good year. There's about three or four guys that that may emerge as as uh, potential, you know, quarterbacks. So I don't know. I I, I think I I think nowadays you got you got to look every year for a quarterback, yeah. and just like. You know Josh Rosen. They moved on from him in Arizona. Boom! They took another one. So is the Kyler answer, Murray,
1: the answer is yes. We will be talking yeah. quarterbacks.
0: Kyler Murray. I've already <laughs> the Heisman Trophy. Uh, the Heisman House commercials are out. He's a shrimp. I'm sorry. He is he, he a shrimp.
1: Tr- He's the smallest he, quarterback I've ever seen in my life.
0: Yeah, yeah. He looks. He looks. He looks like a guy who 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 it sh- maybe could be a defensive back.
1: Maybe yeah. right. but
0: but you know, maybe he'll turn out to be great, but but boy, is he small? Oh, is he small?:
1: All right, Andy, good to talk. We'll chat next week. Let's go have a season. Hi, Zabe. There you go, Andy pollen. and uh, of course, I botched thoroughly the exit. I thought I could get him out with a quick one 2 my uh my Roadcaster Pro, a wonderful machine that I podcast with here. it doesn't feed the music fader down the line to people on the phone i do not know why it feeds my voice does not feed the audio and i have tried i've tried to configure it in a way i i don't know which button or setting maybe somebody can help me out on that i'm not sure andy would have cared anyway andy is so deaf from all these years of broadcasting he might have just blown through the stop sign anyway that's fine. There's a, there's a firmware I've got to do on this roadcaster as well that'll tell me how many seconds are left and the music you're playing. And okay. See, I like to blame it. I like to blame my mistakes on other people and other things. We'll leave you on this today. Man arrested in Singapore at the Changi Airport for buying a ticket just to wave his wife goodbye at the gate. That's right. First of all, some pussy whipped husband said, oh, sure. A couple hundred bucks for a ticket just to get through security, go to the gate and kiss my wife goodbye and say, bye, honey. Bye. I'll pay that. Why not? But apparently at this new airport in Singapore, that's a crime. The Singapore police force has issued a warning to residents saying not to misuse their boarding passes after a man was arrested uh, for buying a ticket just to walk his wife to the gate. Uh, Transit areas are considered protected places, and therefore, they don't tolerate that there. I wonder what the punishment is. Caning, probably, right? Remember the whole American kid who got caned for something like chewing bubblegum? Yeah, they don't like that shit there either in Singapore. It's strict. This airport, though, is apparently unbelievable. Well, you may think, well, who the hell would want to even spend time in an airport? Changi Airport in, in Singapore is beyond belief. It has this giant vortex waterfall that comes out of the ceiling, like a translucent ceiling. Water pours out the funnel, gets pumped back up into it. There's rich green foliage and vegetation in like a three-story high atrium. It is wow! It made headlines when it opened in April. It's 14,000-square-foot canopy park, complete with suspension bridge, topiary, and mazes. is one of Asia's largest indoor gardens. 3,000 trees, 60,000 shrubs. Shrubbery. In 2016, a Malaysian man was jailed after he spent 18 days in Changji, forging boarding passes to gain air- entry to nine airport lounges. Shortly afterward, a couple was arrested for booking flexible tickets just to gain access to the Changji shopping mall, where they bought an iPhone 7. Other passengers have been known to book refundable tickets, which they then cancel before the flight takes off, having enjoyed the airport. Damn, I got to go to this place. Looks sweet. Do you have a Sabaro? No no Sbarro. Cinnabon? Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening, as always. Tell a couple friends. Rate and review. Subscribe to Friday's Football. Five Ways Friday is coming at you soon. Have yourself a bang-up Tuesday. Welcome back to the short work week. Football's two days away, and we will see you next time. dot com.